Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spahn, and with us today is a very special guest, Zach Hartzman of Hey Listen Games. How are you doing, Zach? I'm good. How's it going? I'm good. I'm I'm glad to be here with you. I'm excited to talk about our topic for today. Um, but first, can you tell us a little bit about what you do over at Hey Listen Games? Yeah, so I'm a high school teacher in New York City. And over the past couple of years, I've been slowly incorporating video games into my classroom because you know, they're a passion of mine and we're always kind of better when we bring what we love into the classrooms. And what I've kind of started to realize is that there are zero lesson plans or materials out there for teachers who are interested in teaching with video games but don't know where to start. And, you know, we teachers need lesson plans where they kind of put step-by-step -step instructions with their standards, their rationales for what they're doing in the classroom. So as I started creating these resources for myself, I figured I should put them out there for other educators who might be interested. So I put up the site, I put all my lesson plans, all my slides, the handouts for each of these lessons that I've taught. And I'll even go over how it's gone in my class and what tweaks I might change for future lessons. And I provide a space on the website for other educators to talk about how some of the lessons have gone in their classrooms. It is such an amazing resource. Like it's definitely something that a lot of people were were pretty hungry for because as a teacher, yeah. you don't really have much time to to do all the things you really dreamt of doing or were hoping there's, you could yeah, do. Yeah, never enough time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So something like this is so easy where you can just kind of print out, you know, the lesson plan and, you know, maybe make some adjustments based on your state or whatever your standards are or something. But yeah. but they're so well thought of uh, from, you know, a lesson plan perspective where it, it's really easy to just kind of plug and play and be able to do what you really love as a teacher instead of having to do um, maybe the more traditional route or what's more established. You get to try something new without having to totally create it from scratch, which uh, is always a helpful resource. I recently just ran my first workshop where I was actually teaching other teachers how to use video games. Oh, wow. Room. And it was great. Everyone was super receptive to it. A lot of people have been reaching out to me about games that they're interested in that I have not actually taught with or made lesson plans for. So I'm looking into making more materials for games that I even have that I haven't even played yet. And I've been invited to, do you know the PAX conventions? Yeah. Right. So there's, I recently spoke on a panel out at PAX West and I'll be going to PAX South in a couple months to speak on panels about what I'm doing. So there's definitely a lot of interest. In yeah. It. Yeah. It definitely seems like the way of the future. You know, like I feel like it's so, so much better for kids these days to connect with, well, kids of any generation, but these kids finally might get a chance to connect with the media they already love um, right. with an educator who understands it and sees the value in it and isn't just saying, put that away. Um, but is saying, yeah, let's leverage that into your teaching. Right. Like, especially so especially cool. because it's not it's not educational video games. It's not the games it. that's trying to trick you into anything. The <laughs> game, these are just entertainment games that I see can be repurposed that you could actually learn something from. Yes, that's a beautiful thing. Because mine was always trying to trick people into learning stuff or yeah. or making <laughs> a PowerPoint about ratios. But every single example is about... Um, video game cartridge storage size and it's like this is something yeah. nerdy that kids might like but they don't want to learn fractions through it like they want to yeah. just play the games so mm -hmm. this allows them to do that and kind of have this you know like literature experience and kind of think about what does the story mean here or what what are the emotions going on here what does this game involve like exactly. 
such a great resource. So yeah, the the main reason I reached out to you is I'm like, this guy, uh, more people need to know about this guy. We need to like boost him up as much as we can. So um, <laughs> yeah, sure. And then I also knew that you, you have a lot of passion, obviously, based on on the site um, for for finding the beauty within these franchises and not and realizing it's not just you know a waste of your time but there are things to be appreciated about all these which is what we like to do on amusement sparks is is you know find uh why people are passionate about this what value does this property add and what what's unique about it and special about it and yeah then make a theme park out of that so uh yeah i'm so glad to have you on the show and uh what what topic have you chosen for today's theme park so i've chosen the avatar animated series so awesome. Avatar the Airbender and Avatar the Legend of Korra. Beautiful. This is just, I mean, I'm sure the audience already knows, but such a groundbreaking, incredible show. I, I remember when it first came out, like it just seemed, you know, just it was on Nickelodeon. Like that's not exactly a highbrow place right. for cartoons. But, you know, my girlfriend at the time's little brother was watching it. And I was like, dang, this show is way cooler than Dragon Ball Z or, you know, whatever I grew up with. Um, just because there's so much more story and the world is so well developed and it's not just about fighting each other, although there's a lot of cool action. One of the best shows to come out of the past 20 years, like of all time. I agree completely. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. And, you know, there's a lot of, of important animation, but I think this is one where it really hit its stride as far as as having the emotional side, the kind of, you know, literature um, angle almost, but then also being a really engaging show, like something with a little bit of something for everyone. I feel like that's something animation's always kind of struggled with. Um, it could right. be cool with, you know, nice action sequence, well animated, cool characters, but it's rarely all those things firing on all cylinders at once, which I think Avatar has just totally nailed. Oh yeah, um, it just touches yeah. on everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, in, in thinking of, of translating this world um, to a theme park. And, you know, typically on the show, we do kind of a next-gen, high-tech, uh, limitless budget type of production sure. because it's all hypothetical. But um, <laughs> what kinds of, of things do you think we really need to be faithful to from the show? Like, what jumps out to you? Probably, for me, the aesthetic is mm -hmm. probably... So there's always the meme of that live-action movie that came out. Yes. Which is just like, there, so there there are no movies, and there, there's the movie in Bossing Say is the meme, and it's just this awful, awful recreation of what the series was. So mm -hmm. just the look of it would probably the mo be the most important, because the movie just didn't get it right at all. I've never even seen a single frame from the movie. Please, I've seen like the cover it, art. Keep, but... keep it that way. <laughs> exactly. So I don't exactly know, you know, what to avoid, but I guess just trying to be as faithful as possible and maybe take some production notes from the new uh, Netflix live action series I just read about. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe that's trying to be more faithful or just trying to do real, you know, real life adaptation of the show, which it's kind of interesting. The The aesthetic of the world is pretty realistic. You know, most yeah. of it's kind of based on ancient Asian cultures um, or I guess other parts of the world as well. But it doesn't seem like anything's too fancy or crazy or sci-fi. It's pretty, no, it's pretty timeless. Pretty in reality. There's yeah. So I know the Fire Nation is kind of based off of um, imperialist Japan, mm -hmm. and then the Earth Kingdom is very much China. The Water Tribe are the Inuits in the North and South Pole, mm -hmm. and the Airbenders are Tibetan monks, right? So there's they're drawing inspiration from a lot from real cultures. So we, as long as it's done tastefully, right, it can be really great. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And I also really like that the show has a lot of 
uh, diversity of culture too. Oh, yeah. Like it's a groundbreaking show in a lot of ways, but um, part of the the beauty of it is that the the team you know came from a kind of multi multicultural um, standpoint and wanted to be representative and diverse and real and authentic and like they just they did so many things right and I just want to carry that forward uh, you know into our very real theme park here but making sure that all that hard work that they did into making the show as amazing as it possibly could be um, continuing that and, right. and paying you know as much as much honor to the original series as possible but yeah it's it's such a cool world like the just the thought of you know uh, the bending thing like that was I remember I used to be a lifeguard when I was in high school and college and there were always kids pretending to be waterbenders just splashing yeah. water at each other um, but that's just such a fun like visceral kind of thing being able to control the elements with your you know your your arms your hands in kind of this martial arts inspired type of way i, I still uh, run pretend stories in my head sometimes pretending that i can be a metal bender <laughs> or a firebender what about blood bending <laughs> no, I, I want no part of that oh my gosh we, when i first watched this series like seriously it was in college with a bunch of guys i lived with and we were like not really making jokes but almost like uh improv fan fiction we're like oh yeah and then and then they make up uh bloodbending and then like two episodes later they're like there's the episode where they talk about bloodbending and we're like whoa right. like this show is just as metal as you can possibly make it it already goes there yeah <laughs> it's pretty great um but yeah the the bending ability is that something that you think we could try to incorporate like some kind of high-tech uh you know wizarding world of harry potter wand type system of of moving your arms around and then something cool happens? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Especially, right, in my mind, the different sections of the park would be focused on the different elements. Yeah. Right, so it can, I'm, definitely it can be incorporated in some capacity. Yeah. And we, we could do, I mean, just try to do as realistic of a recreation of, of that world, you know, those continents, those nations, um, as, you know, it'd be pretty easy to do most of it because they're just kind of cool-looking kingdoms it doesn't doesn't even need that that big of like a special effects budget except for maybe the um like the air temple areas those yeah. might be kind of harder to do what are your thoughts on those i would love to recreate some of the air temples especially i believe it's the western air temple is built upside down whoa into one of the cliffs so if <laughs> yeah you, if you could actually recreate that it would be a really cool experience that's a cool idea and uh man i didn't even think about that that's awesome and you could just do it where, you know, uh, they're just located up higher, like on, on platforms or on top of buildings that the other kingdoms are inside of. Yeah. So you feel like you're really high up in the air and you can see a far view. And then we just need to cover everything in, in like smoke machines. So it feels like you're up in the clouds or something. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe the surfaces, sometimes I get too granular on this show, but hey, whatever. Um, some Maybe the surfaces underneath those smog machines or fog machines could be you know, like a video feed of, you know, the ocean and like birds flying by and give it a little bit more of a cool. immersion. You gotta yeah. get some sky bison in the, the lemur. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be so cool. The animals in this show though, they're so cool. They're hilarious. Some of them are like, yeah. they're just half breeds of actual animals, like the platypus bear. Yes. Things and kind of smash them together. <laughs> And that's like the most uh, Nickelodeon feeling thing. Like a lot of those you could see on like a Ninja Turtles show or something where it's right. just like, yeah, we just kind of mashed up these two animals and look how cute it is or how funny it is. 
but that's awesome like the show is like such a realistic um emotional show but then like every episode there's like a cute new critter running around so right again something for everyone the best um, is in, uh when they get to the earth kingdom and there's just a regular bear and they're super confused that there's just this normal bear <laughs> half of something else yes i love that setting up the expectation of this is this wacky crazy fantasy world and then there's just regular bear <laughs> yeah um another creature that i was fascinated by is the um i think they're called lion turtles uh yeah there's in kind of ancient history within the world there there the kingdoms kind of were built up on the backs of these creatures right but i just think that idea of just being on the back of a giant creature and having like a city up there is the most amazing thing like if any theme park in my lifetime does that out i can die happy like it's the most cool thing of all time yeah. and you can you know simulate movement make it feel like it's movement moving with it still being relatively safe you just have to uh to plan ahead for it but i realize that's kind of ancient history in this world so maybe it wouldn't actually be applicable but it could be thrown in there why not yeah i guess you're right <laughs> <laughs> it could be a flashback or like the um spirit realm I don't know. We could do. We right. can come up with some story reason where, you know, like Aang, the 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 part guests. I always want to say the player character. The part guests gets to um, go into like the spirit realm and kind of experience some things that are no longer right in reality. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. What do you see as the role of the park guests? Are they just a regular everyday civilian? Are they benders or what do you think? I'd like to see some benders, right? We kind of already seen like people who put on, I forget the exact words for it, but people who like have the fire batons and put on fire shows, uh-huh. right? So there are people who kind of already simulate some of this stuff in real life. Even when I go to like Comic-Con, there's lots of people simulating with um, feathers and ribbons different bending um, so I, i'd love to see that kind of built into it throughout the park ribbons are a really cool idea and yeah i'm sure you could do some more high-tech stuff you know with like augmented reality or holograms or something like that oh yeah um, sure. you know there could be a cool area that's like the photo op space where you're just kind of in front of a blue screen and they can put whatever kind of cool uh you know cutting edge sci-fi effects for right. your specific school of bending back there um, but that'd be really cool to be able to sort of learn new abilities because, you know, a lot of the show has that sort of um, shonen style, you know, we're, we're traveling around the world and getting better at our skills right. um, storyline. And giving that to the podcast would be really cool if you can learn, you know, your first little trick, which allows you to, you know, do something, maybe pay, take part in certain games that require like ability to shoot a little bit of water. And then, you know, later on, you can get up to kind of epic tier after you've been to the park you know for a whole week or whatever there's the part of the show where katara gets her first waterbending scroll right she's learning the moves for the first time so that right the the guests can be can have that also where they might learn a specific move for some type of bending i also like the idea that she's she's not a total natural you know she's kind of um a relatively real person she so struggles. She has to practice she that. struggles right and i love that about it you know you, especially from an educational standpoint of it's good to fail that means you know you're, yeah. you're learning you don't learn from your successes very much um 
it'd be cool if if you have to kind of master the art, whether it's you know a very specific uh, sequence of of movements you have to go through, mm-hmm. kind of like a you know Xbox Connect kind of thing. Like it can detect if you did the motions exactly right, then the magical gate opens or you know whatever you your goal is happens. Um, but if you get it a little bit wrong, you know maybe there are more expert vendors around who are park employees who can give you feedback and say, you know, oh, you know, this one step in your movement was was a little off. Now try it like this and yeah. give them a chance to learn and, and actually kind of master something mm-hmm. and maybe connecting into sort of real world martial arts um, because the park guest might not be able to take home, you know, the ability to control fire, for example, but they might learn some cool, you know, uh, movements through martial arts, even if they're yeah. not able to break a board you know it's still it's like good exercise it's good like self-control it's kind of like yoga in a way like going through these tai chi-esque uh movements and mastering them is yeah. it's a good thing for you totally because i've i don't know the exact names of them but i know for a fact that each of the bending styles is based off a real life martial art oh cool they did incorporate real life martial arts into the show so that is something that can be taught that's great and that gives us more of a a connection to do like um, stunt show type things, you know, where you can watch yeah. uh, performers go through these like cool stunts and these elaborate routines. And then if you're on your journey to become a better bender, maybe there's like some technique you can only learn by watching the stunt show and like learning from the master firsthand, watching that, you know, that person who's amazing at that technique, learning some of those, some of those movements and then trying them on your own. It like unlocks some special thing. It'd be so cool. Yeah. Oh man. And I just started talking about like having the stage. One of my very favorite episodes is when they kind of do the reenactment of, of the, the Ember, story. The Ember Island players. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's their recap episode, but instead of it being bland, they just made it hilarious. And it was amazing. Like that was yeah. one, I think when we were like uh, watching through in our initial, you know, watch through the series, we rewatched that episode a few times in a row because we would have other people come over to like, you got to get into this show. This is like a recap episode. You can kind of like start watching with us from here. Um, mm-hmm. But that one was such a great episode. So fun. And it, it shows the sense of humor that the show has. Yeah. Even like in recounting its own cool epic tale, it's not afraid to like make jokes about it, which that takes a lot of guts. Like that's, that's amazing. Right. I love that. Um, not every creator is comfortable <laughs> with that, but this team I feel like is just we just need more people like that in the world that are that are willing to put a lot of cool effort and uh, achieve a lot of amazing things and then not be afraid to poke fun at it or uh, highlight the goofiness of it or, you know, just introduce the bear as a regular yeah. animal as a punchline. Like, oh, that's so yeah. good. Yeah. My favorite part of that is there's an episode in season one called The Great Divide, which is usually a consensus that is the worst episode of the series. Mm-hmm. And in the Ember Island players recount of that episode, they just kind of go, oh, there's the Great Divide, and it's gone. <laughs> and <then laughs> I didn't they, catch they that. They say one word, and then they move on, because they know that <laughs> it kind of wasn't the best. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Holy cow. Um, so, unfortunately, I actually have never watched The Legend of Korra. Uh, and it's nothing intentional. It just kind of slipped away at the time when it was airing, and I just haven't got back around to it. But is there anything different in the world or culture that you feel like we really need to represent in this theme park? Yeah, so 
The Legend of Korra takes place, I believe, like 60 years after the first show. Mm-hmm. Korra, the next Avatar in the cycle. And the big change is that it kind of moves to the an early 1900s industrial aesthetic. Right. With the main central location being Republic City, which is kind of a New York City type location. But instead of, it has vendors of every type in the city. So it's this big multicultural hub. Whereas in Airbender, all the vendors were pretty segregated based on their geographical location. So it, it brings this whole multicultural element that was kind of lacking in the first show. Well, that would be really cool if in the theme park layout, maybe the entrances go through each of the more segregated you know, nations. And then after you've learned some skills and be- become comfortable with the way things work in your area, you get introduced to this big metropolitan uh, mixing of different types of people. Like, yeah, that sounds super cool. And then, you know, then it would make more sense to have more modern type amenities over there. They're in the Model T car kind of era. What a cool idea, man. I'm really excited to get into The Legend of Korra for sure. I do think the the vehicles and just the culture and that particular brand of fantasy is so unique and special. And it would be so cool to see, you know, a whole village with that specific nation's art style and architecture style and people dressed in those sorts of clothes. Right. How cool. Another thing to maybe consider as far as like timeline or like when this is all set uh, in time is the kind of fate of the air temples, like that they're all kind of destroyed in the course of Avatar, the last airbender. There's the main show, but the air temples were eliminated. Like the people there were exterminated a hundred years earlier. So they've been pretty much abandoned. Right. For so they're still a hundred years in the past. Okay, cool. And that could be something we explain story wise by going through into the spirit realm or something like that, which I realize is a pretty advanced technique for every single park guest to do, but maybe yeah. that is an area where you must have mastered one of the other arts of bending first, and then you can kind of gain access to this, you know, amazing area up in the sky. Right. Which I, I think that uh, in canon, a lot of the, actually maybe all of the bending arts are kind of taught to humans originally by the creatures that live in the area. So like, maybe yeah, that's so, how we could kind of explain it. Like the humans yeah. are all deceased maybe, but there are still, you know, these amazing creatures who know these techniques and you can kind of learn through interacting with one of them in a big, you know, holographic or AR or something like that type experience. Yeah. The lore is basically that the lion turtles gifted the ability to bend, and then they would learn from the animals. So the firebenders would learn from dragons, the airbenders from the sky bison, earthbenders from the badger moles, and the waterbenders from the moon and ocean. That's so cool. Yeah. Just the world building is so amazing. Like, this would be such a cool setting for a, you know, role-playing campaign. Just because there's so much to it, there's such a rich, like, history, and then throughout the course of the show, you get to see all these interesting and nuanced interactions. Like, it's so well thought out. It's it's a thing of it's beauty. A, it's incredible. It's one of, Airbender's one of the per- perfect fantasy stories. Yeah, in my yeah. Opinion. That's a really good point. You're right. And it definitely deserves to have a theme park. Like, I, I think this would be so cool. I, for one, feel that it's really weird that Nickelodeon doesn't have its own theme park at this point. But, yeah, they've got a lot of amazing franchises. Man. Um, 
I mean, this by itself would be totally worth a trip. Like, it, it would be so cool. So do you think it'd be possible, because there is only one avatar at a time per generation mm-hmm. within canon of the show, do we want to represent that in the park, or do you have any thoughts on how we could do that? I guess we can choose which avatar to, avatar to focus on, but, but one of the, the the aspects of being in the, of the avatar is that you can speak to your past selves. Mm-hmm. So that, that can be incorporated. That way you can still see the entire lineage at different p- points in the park. Wow, that's a cool idea. But there, but there could be one as like the main mascot. And you could do sort of a, I don't know if competitive is the right word, but like as you're kind of pursuing in your own story, you know, you come with your family or whatever, you guys are on your own adventure, and there's a lot of, you know, story and uh, experiences you can go on to kind of progress the story and make your own journey, so to speak. It'd be really interesting if, if the park guest who, you know, has made the most progress in their story for that time period, that month or whatever, gets to be sort of immortalized as one of those past uh, avatars. Even if it's just in a... Yeah, even if it's just on a picture, you know, as you're entering the park, there's like a big, I don't know, banner or like a big graphic that has the history of all of the avatars. And you get to have like, you know, this was kind of our new edition from 2019. Like this is the latest. Master the four elements during your time there, you would get put up there. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it it would be cool if it was a real challenge to master even one. So like you have to be really diehard uh, to become the avatar. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if we want to make it that competitive because in the, in the show, it's not like, um, you know, King of the Hill kind of thing where you would just destroy everyone else to take the abilities it's it's something that you're born with so interesting or maybe even just once per day some random person who walks through the door you know the 1234th visitor gets they're just flagged as being the avatar and they're like in you know maybe certain park uh park employees would treat them differently and be like you know oh my gosh wow we gotta you know help this guy along because this is the avatar right here like what an honor uh, what about specific experiences, like things that the park guests should do as far as, you know, like a roller coaster or laser tag or, you know, an actual like thing you go and do at the theme park? Do you have any thoughts for I those? So in, the, in the very first episode, when they find Aang, who's the avatar, in the iceberg, mm-hmm. and he wakes up for the first time in 100 years, first thing he says is, do you want to go penguin sledding with me? <laughs> right and, so they, and they go so that has to be a ride there has to be a ride around penguin sledding oh that's awesome yeah i i do feel like that sort of inuit culture type thing has a lot of like fun water-based games like you could do uh a warm water water park yeah <laughs> yeah maybe it's a, a natural hot springs or something but they've built you know a, a bunch of slides and a bunch of different attractions like that so it could be kind of explained away as a water park uh, type of area especially since i think it's like a couple episodes later that they then go koi fish riding which gigantic koi fish yes right oh so. man that could be a ride too like yeah. um yeah oh that's so fun I, I like the idea of incorporating the those just crazy creatures as much as possible because they do tend to have a really interesting relationship with the humans 
um yeah just like if our culture had gigantic creatures and dragons and stuff like we would probably interact with them pretty often uh where it wouldn't be that weird and maybe we could just go ride on them for fun right. once in a while and then the one that that's a must is um riding the sky bison appa oh right so yes. I, think, I think at the new galaxy edge park that disney mm-hmm. made for star wars they have a thing where you get to you get to ride in the ship and you go yeah. into hyperdrive and everything, right? So they can, and it's like kind of in three, not three D, but like augmented reality where you're, it's all screen, so it seems like you're there. Right. All the windows are screens. Yeah. At that specific angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be so cool. The the sky bison Appa is such an iconic, you know, symbol for the show. Anyway. Right. Um, where having interaction with him would be so cool, and I love the the sounds he makes and just I don't know, just being around one would be so cool and so like I don't know magical would be awesome do you remember the episode where they go to omashu the name sounds familiar, but I'm not. The, it's, one of, it's one of the Earth Kingdom cities where his old friend Boomy is there, like the really old guy. Yes. Yeah, and they're like, and they're like sledding down on the the stone things. Right. It's one of the times when they destroy the guy's cabbages, and you see. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the great ongoing joke. Yeah. Oh, that should be like every sort of roller coaster or thrill ride type attraction. You just at some point smash over the guy's like yeah. cabbage <laughs> cart thing. <laughs> yeah i remember that episode as being one that like had kind of a thrill ride element yeah. to it there is also ang's like ball that he makes his little ball of air that he rides around on oh yeah yeah the, he calls it the air scooter i think i think that's the name it doesn't really look like a scooter but it does scoot i guess um that would be a really cool ride of some sort i don't know how you would make it feel realistic if you have to like sit on it and strap harness on or whatever just you know for liability oh but we have an unlimited budget we would just make it a perfectly safe real air scooter like perfect a lot of the airbending stuff because he also has his staff his glider yeah right so that's some some type of swing thing might be Uh really cool yeah like those uh like superman style swing attraction yeah yeah yeah, that would totally work i mean it's just like a really cool looking glider basically Mm -hmm. that's a good one and really cool, uh, sort of iconic. That's another iconic piece of design for the show. Right, I'm already seeing people buying them in mass. <laughs> right? Oh, that's cool. Or it'd be cool to have like a kite shop, and like you know, you have kites of oh, kind yeah, of yeah. representing the different nations, and that his little glider could be one. I don't know. That just seems like a cool, wholesome, uh, family-friendly activity that's vaguely Asian-inspired. <laughs> kind of fits in there's a lot of cool boats in the show as well um like bigger vehicles which might not be thrill attractions necessarily but it'd be really cool to to have a restaurant that's set on one or you know just using it as a people mover kind of thing to travel between one nation to the next you have to get on a boat get on like a ferry and ride over to the next place they've got the big fire nation ships yeah also there can definitely be some of that practical effects but you're manning a ship and you're fighting off the fire nation oh that's cool yeah yeah that's really neat i know when the earth kingdom even has their own monorail system where they're actually spending the the trains 
Right. That's another point of like where they just really thought about this. Like the people writing the show were kind of acting as if they lived in this world. And what would you realistically see if people right. had these the, abilities? The vendors aren't just fighters. They're using them for actual like practical jobs. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think even in the Legend of Korra series, the firebenders who can generate lightning are just, they generate electricity for the city. It's awesome. Super cool. Um, there is that sort of combat aspect, though, of the show. Like, you know, a lot of these sort of nations go through wars, um, just sort of the nature of human beings, I suppose. Uh, and so, therefore, some of our part guests would be interested in seeing some combat of some sort. So, I don't know if we'd want to make it a you know, large scale, like mega game kind of thing where you can get on the boat and like man the cannon or whatever, um, or just be a part of some large scale activity for your nation to kind of try to win the battle. You're, you're trying to prepare some uh, resource for them to use in this effort. And like, it's a timed challenge. And then whichever nation has prepared the most of their resources, you know, I don't know, gets a point in the war or whatever. Right. Trying to gamify war is really great. Um, but, uh, you know, it could be kind of interesting to to see how that war impacts the whole culture. So maybe even just the minigame is trying to make food to go on a ship to go yeah. out to battle. Um, you know, taking care of your your soldiers, whether or not you support, like, the war effort, you still don't want those people to starve while they're out there defending your country. So you could be working, you know, seeing who can make the most sandwiches in a short amount of time or something. Uh, yeah, and the Fire Nation seems to be a pretty easy um, bad guy. You know, a lot of their kind of vibe is just like menacing. In the uh, first show, Fire Nation's not right. the bad guy in the second show. I mean, they do definitely kind yeah. of have a bit of a change of heart at the end of the of the first show too where you get to see a little bit more of the humanity and that's right. another thing i like is that it's not there's not just a pure you know mustache twirling villain necessarily it's it's kind of more realistic where it's about nations at war with one another and trying to control power like it's a very human kind of thing there's not just a big bad villain necessarily yeah. um yeah so i could see that it would be interesting to have the Fire Nation as the general go-to villain, maybe when you're first learning the ropes at this theme park and you're learning the, the very basic, you know, first techniques of, of bending, you're learning about the culture and your nation and everything is painted as the Fire Nation are these bad guys. And then either by visiting the Fire Nation or maybe by going to, you know, the big city and getting to actually meet someone from that nation, you get this experience, like this small scale microcosm of seeing they're not actually bad guys it's just you know fire is maybe a scarier thing in most cases than than earth for example right. um yeah and you, or you could visit the fire nation and see that you know their their way of life isn't necessarily wrong but it's just kind of cool to have the chance to within one day visiting a theme park to see multiple cultures and how they perceive one another and how those perceptions might be incorrect and just learning more about the world and becoming more worldly at a theme park like <laughs> that's a really cool idea i think yeah i think there must be like cool experiences around probably each of the major villains mm -hmm. so the where where cora differentiates is that each season has a different big bad okay whereas 
Avatar Last Airbender was kind of one cohesive story over the course right. of the three seasons, mm-hmm. right? So for two of the seasons in Korra, right, it's none of none of the big bads in Korra are firebenders. They're all benders of other um, elements. Cool. Right, and there could be the first, the villain of the first season is my favorite. He's Amon, this mysterious figure always wearing a mask, and he's a non-bender, and he leads wow. the Equalists, which is basically... It's kind of a communist uprising saying that these elite benders are the cause of every war and all the problems in history. And he's trying to take, he has the ability to take away people's bending. Wow. And he's huh. trying to equalize everyone. That is crazy. Right? So I'm, I'm thinking some type of experience where like a lot of that show is them running away from mm-hmm. him. You can like escape him on some kind of, right. There's got to be some cool attraction yeah. like that. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. Or it'd be also neat to have it as uh, more of like a park-wide kind of thing where he's like moving from one nation to the next nation. And so like, you know, if you're in the the town square and he just kind of shows up, like you would see kind of people running for the hills and you just like (laughs) don't want to be in that area at that point. Like you got to go hide out somewhere. It'd be cool if it interrupted your everyday life like it would, you know, within the series. That's a really interesting idea. I like the idea too of the kind of interplay between different nations where um you might not see that nation as a threat but there might be a person over there who's got some you know big crazy ideas and they're gonna become a bad guy or a villain within your personal story oh yeah Um, it's just you don't see at most theme parks uh people within one kingdom talking about how people in the other kingdom are jerks or whatever you know Mm -hmm. uh usually they're pretty isolated and once you're in one of them pretend like the other ones don't exist but here it would be like we're fearing threats from these guys. Those guys are pushovers. Like there's kind of some, some politics, uh, which I didn't think would be an exciting thing to bring up, but I think it could be kind of cool actually from a storytelling perspective uh, and just seeing what's unique about each kingdom and maybe philosophically, which kingdom you personally identify with to add some, some nuance to your story. It'd be be hard to keep politics out of it because both shows really are political. Right. When when you're watching them, they're super accessible for kids, but Right when you start analyzing them, right, there's a lot of po- po- political overtones. What an interesting point! I didn't even really realize that. No, you're totally right. And you know, the kids probably do pick up on that. Like that might be their first initial kind of realization of of the power of a nation. Um, just instead of it just being about you and your family and you know your class at school, there's a much bigger picture going on here, and a lot of it's out of our our individual control. Right. Oh, we have to work within the system. Man, that's that's a powerful learning tool right there. Doggone. And this is why you have to watch The Legend of Korra, because yeah. each season is basically a different political stance taken to the extreme. Wow. Oh, that's great. Each villain in that show has points where they are right. Some of the things that they're saying are true and it's happening. It's just how they're addressing it is the problem, right? So you get Amon in the first season, right, just being way too extreme and trying to take away the abilities of other people Mm -hmm. and the the second season deals with religious extremism the third one goes into anarchy and the fourth one into fascism right and it's just wow and it's just like it's these four people who are all saying things that are true Mm -hmm. it's just they're going about the completely wrong way of solving any of these issues that's the best way to build a villain i think so that that sounds great we will not be uh hungry for more villains i think (laughs) within the story here how cool um, a quick aside, would you recommend to a newcomer starting with Legend of Korra, or do you think they should start with, with Avatar Last Airbender first? 
they you could start core and understand what's going on mm-hmm. i just i i have to recommend watching airbender first it's just such it gives you so much of the backstory that yeah. they don't need to explain to core because they kind of assume that you've watched it mm-hmm. and it's just i would i would arguably airbender is probably the better show overall Ooh. Um, Interesting. My, my, my personal preference is Korra, mm-hmm. but just looking at like from a critical lens, Avatar is a more like finely tuned show. But I know there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at Nickelodeon that kind of caused some yeah problems in the later Korra seasons. Fair enough. Well, cool. Yeah, thank you for your expertise on that. So yeah, we've we've touched on a little bit of like each piece of this. Is there something glaring that you feel like we're missing? I feel like I'd want. Going to the park, I'd want them to like actually learn the stories also of some of the characters. Mm-hmm. Right, the main show. So maybe I don't know if you're assigned the character when you walk in, but I'd like them to be able to learn the story of Aang, Sokka, Katara, Suki, Zuko, all of them. Right, as you progress through. Yeah, and I think it'd be cool to have sort of a training type of area when you first enter the park. Um, no matter maybe which nation you're entering the park through. Um, or maybe that's not the best way to do it. Like, I don't think where you parked your car should determine which nation you join, but maybe uh, there's some sort of system when you first enter the park to kind of choose an alignment, so to speak, and then you kind of enter the park in their area. But it'd be cool to have a training sort of, you know, region where you kind of learn what are the rules at this theme park, and you start to kind of transition from, you know, your everyday life uh, to your Avatar The Last Airbender theme park life. Um, where you're learning the rules and kind of what this world is and and what bending is and learn through the you know the the classic tales of this world's lore. Yeah, and it'd also be interesting if it's flavored a little differently depending on which nation you're in. Um, just because like we were describing, you know, your your perception would definitely flavor how you teach someone else your history. It's really an interesting thing. Like each nation's you know textbooks uh, would be written from a different perspective. So. The way they teach their stories might be a little different. Interesting. Oh, and there is one other thing. Yeah, what's that? Right, so in a Legend of Korra, they introduce pro bending, which is an actual, it's a sport Whoa. that was created in Republic City where each team has a waterbender, firebender, and earthbender. No earth, no yeah. airbenders, there were no more at the time, but right. each team would have one of the different elements and it's basically, it's like a push and pull type of game. So if there's some Whoa. way to incorporate that, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a VR experience, but we I think so. To put in. Oh man, and VR is a is a great point too for integrating the um, physical motion with that generating you know an attack or like a a bending technique um, where you know you have a controller in each hand. It's really easy to track if you're making the right gestures, and then you can use that to you know launch some water to go in that direction. To yeah. Oh man. How cool would that be? And it's great because it's it, right, it takes place in the early 1900s. You got that old style guy screaming on the microphone. It's playing on the radio <laughs> for everyone outside. Oh wow, <laughs> that is really really fun. And I like the idea too of this sort of you know melting pot area or or mosaic or whatever you want to call it, where you get to meet people from all the different nations and see how they can can work together and what kind of conflicts arise and. Right. There's just so much storytelling pers- uh, potential for like even each individual park guest to kind of come away with their own story because no one's going to experience the park the same way. Like it's going to be very different as opposed to a lot of the theme parks we do on this show where 
your specific experience might be a little different, but you still know this guy's a bad guy, that guy's a good guy. This park, I feel like, is a lot more nuanced, much like the show it's based on. It'd be interesting to see what other kinds of activities different types of vendors could collaborate on yeah. to to work more you know effectively um, like a water bender and a fire bender to make steam power or whatever that mm-hmm. type of thing that'd be really cool and there's all kinds of little experiences you could do or even things that could really be like a flash game or like a mobile game of you know you are you have this superpower basically you have this ability to to do bending that yeah. person can control this so you need to prepare this item for them to use in order to create this finished product or to complete this service for the city. It'd be so cool. Man, this is uh, yeah. going together really <laughs> naturally, I think. like it, This is not a lot of work. It's just kind of, you know, it's, it's just, just happening, put, I think. They put so much, like, thought and content into it that you, you could just pull from anywhere. <laughs> That's a I, great even point. The, even the episode where they were in the swamp, right? Mm-hmm. Which was just like there were waterbenders in this this like really muggy swamp, which was very different from the north north or south pole waterbenders. Right, right, and they had this, these vines everywhere, and they you could actually waterbend the vines since there was water in the vines. You can manipulate those. There's any episode you could create a whole attraction from. Right, that's absolutely true, and that's a really cool framework for this theme park to to add new attractions they just need to go watch through the series again or just kind of you know get the writers from the original series to say okay what other details are kind of on the cutting room floor where they were a cool detail but wouldn't make sense in the plot of you know a cartoon maybe some of those could be explored more more details about the kind of more maybe mundane stuff or things that you wouldn't necessarily um, want to have in a cartoon but are actually a part of their way of life yeah kind of like the monorail system like you know that that could make for an interesting little experience trying to either plan out the route of the of the monorail like how the city's going to function um or figure out how you're going to solve your problem using this really interesting set of skills that your people have it's such a cool thing like and this is it's bigger than than just a theme park you know it's it's several nations coming together so there's yeah. just so many moving pieces that you could make experiences based on Man, i'm kind of blown away by this this yeah. concept in this theme park i think the potential for storytelling is huge here so doing a sort of role-playing type of experience or you know telling your own tale as you go through would be just fascinating and really cool and it'd be cool too if uh in the gift shop on the way out you can have a scroll printed that kind of you know tells a basic illustrated tale of your specific journey, you know, what locations you traveled to, which um, sort of named or famous characters you worked with or or whatever, just kind of as a way of tallying up, you know, how many earthbenders did you meet or work with or, you know, who are your... Like your own personal map, kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was kind of picturing it like a um, Indiana Jones map kind of thing, almost with the little dotted lines. Here was your journey. Um, but along the way could be some kind of pictograms or, or other narration telling, you know, your specific tale and what you did. That was so cool. Um, what kind of, you know, struggles you went through and successes you had. 
Cool. Well, Zach, I think we did it, man. That was uh, maybe a new land speed record, but it just kind of pulled was pulled from your passion for the show and what the creators yeah. put into it. Like, I feel like that was super seamless. <laughs> that right. was going to be an easy one to edit. <laughs> yeah, we, we might. I might come on. We might think of more as we go forward. Right, exactly, and and that's the beauty of these these theme parks is we can always add on more because there's always more to be appreciated about the source material. Even if you're a super fan, you know, within one hour, it's hard to come up with a lot of. You can't you can't get every last you know, nook and cranny of of a series that you love within one right. hour. <laughs> I guess like we, we didn't even actually talk much about the spirit world, but like there's yeah. so much more to that where. Right. Mm -hmm. They actually, especially in the second show, they go into the spirit world and there's that that just that doubles the size of everything. Yeah, that's totally true. Actually, what I do, I I want a haunted house. Ooh, uh, let's hear more about the haunted house. Remember Code the Face Dealer? No, doesn't sound He's in the first show when um, he's like the gigantic centipede monster thing. How is this not ringing a bell? But yeah, go on. <laughs> he's in the spirit world, and he's he. If you show any emotion in front of him, regardless if it's happiness, fear, whatever, he steals your face. Whoa! Right. So in this haunted house, right, you have to do your best to remain calm, or he <laughs> steal your face. He's this gigantic centipede, creepy creature. Wow, that is an amazing idea. And he's just within the the spirit world. Yeah, it's just he had like his own domain in the spirit world. Oh, that's amazing! What a cool attraction that would be. There's wow. the you remember? Oh, you you know the the library, right? Uh yeah. Remember the library underground where it's right? It starts to sink. It, it's kind of like an Indiana Jones thing where it's like starts sinking and they have to escape <laughs> from the sinking library, right? There's yep. there's there's like like I said, every episode can just build this a whole new attraction. Totally true. And uh, it would also be neat to do some kind of like infiltration type experiences, like when they need to get to that temple that's in the Fire Nation. Uh, I think Aang's trying to like, but basically you could do those kinds of things where there's, you know, a bunch of guards protecting some kind of thing that they don't want the other nations to have access to and see if they try to like sneak into this area. I just always love the idea of yeah, doing a sneaking there's, attraction. There's, there's several episodes around like espionage. Rather, yeah, right? that's true. And in this world, it'd be easy to add a new thing. Like, okay, they this kingdom took something from that kingdom, and now they're hiding it here. So you have to try to go get it back, or it, or right. you have to try to go take their secret because your nation needs it for betterment of you know your people. Um, just those kind of selfish human things of I'm going to take that from you, or I'm going to hide this from you. Um, Even later on, in the, like when Su- when uh, Sokka and Zuko go to break his father out of prison. Right yeah. in the in the prison in the middle of this gigantic volcano in the middle of a lake, pretending to be prisoners. Right, and they have to figure out how to break out. Right, like and that's it's escape. A, it's escape. escape. Exactly, that's what I was gonna say. You could do escape type experiences because there's prisoners, you know, all over the place. You could be on the the Fire Nation's boat, and they're trying to like take you back, or or anywhere. I'm I'm assuming that they've all got sort of a military presence or some sort of jail system where you can have different escape rooms. And maybe that's what your scroll says at the end of the day is you escape from, from jails in, in three of the different nations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's maybe your skill set, or you're finding out more about your character that they really enjoy being arrested and then breaking out. <laughs> They're like an escape artist. It could also be neat to take some of this data that you get from your part guests and looking at their maps or noticing certain trends and kind of creating new characters or new content 
if you notice that people keep wanting to do these escape rooms, you could come up with a new a new rule in one of the kingdoms, you know, where people are getting arrested left and right now, so more people get to experience oh, yeah. that that escape room kind of thing. You could add more uh, nuances going forward to lead people towards where they really want to be as far as their activities. Right. And there could be restrictions. Like there's I remember there's a part where earthbenders are kept on a prison out in the ocean on this metal fortress so they can't earthbend anything. Yes. And then Katara is kept in a wooden prison at one point so she can't waterbend her way out of anything. <laughs> right. Or her and Toph who can't earthbend wood, right? So right there yeah. are restrictions you can put where you can't use this element to help ah. yourself. Right, you just have to use like your brain power or your teamwork or communication with another person who's outside the jail yeah. to help you escape. Oh, that's awesome. Zach, you're good at this, man. We should do another episode someday. Um, Definitely. <laughs> and thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate your your enthusiasm for it. I mean, a Avatar is one of the... When you asked me what I was going to talk about, right? I was, <laughs> I was split between Avatar and Zelda, right? Because those are those are yes. the two things that I can just talk for hours about. <laughs> and obviously, that's where the, the name of your, your website and your, your whole Hey Listen Games thing yes. comes from. Um, but yeah, that's... Zelda is one of my very favorite franchises of all time. Um but yeah, Dr. Anthony Bean, he, he and I started to record an episode, and then we had some technical difficulties, so we didn't actually finish it. So we're just working on scheduling uh, to finish that episode, but yeah. it's the only one that I've got partially complete um, without being able to actually finish the whole thing. So one of these days we'll get a Zelda episode out. And uh, yeah, there's also always the potential in the future to revisit a similar topic and you know build off of the previous Amusement Parks theme park. Beyond just the two shows, right, they've released these other mediums, right? So there's comics, yeah, and there is an actual... I'm reading a novel now called The Rise of Kyoshi, which was two avatars before Aang. Wow. Right? And, it's, and it's just a novel, so I'm currently maybe halfway through it. It's really good. Oh, that's awesome. Because I, I feel like so much of the show is is empowered by the animation. Like, the art style is so good. Um, yeah. and being able to see and hear the world with music and everything, like the whole production adds a lot, but I could see just the world itself serving as a good platform for a novel. Like I, that makes sense. We Pretty already cool. have the background knowledge of what all the animation and action looks like. So you kind of just project that naturally into the yeah, book. That makes sense. Oh, that's great. I'm going to have to get into that. That sounds awesome. Uh, well, if our audience enjoyed listening to you, where they, where might they be able to find more about you? Uh, yeah, so my website's heylistengames.org. For any educators listening, all those materials that I put up there are for free. Um, subscribing is for free. It'll shoot you an email whenever I put up new materials or talk about how these lessons are going in my class. And then I'm pretty active on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm at heylistengames underscore. But yeah, your your website is beautiful. The materials within it are awesome. Man. It's a, it's a good time to be a teacher once you have this resource, I think, because it, yeah. it does empower the teacher a ton and the students to, to realize that what they enjoy doing on the weekends can really actually help to teach them something. And, right. and you can learn from whatever you're doing. You, know, you don't just have to be in school or reading a textbook to be learning. Like it Really, everything you're putting into your eyes and your ears is teaching you something yep. about the world. So. Man, I'm just glad that you're out there doing what you're doing. And um, thanks. Yeah. So listeners, yep. please go check out Hey Listen Games. It's it's an amazing site, an amazing service that you provide. 
I wish you a lot of luck, man. I, I hope that, that that blows up and you get to keep doing more panel convention or you know, conventions at panels. Wait, panels at conventions. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Third time's a charm. Um, because it's such a cool topic. Man, it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, thank you for being on the show and oh, have thanks. yourself a good night. Thanks for inviting me.